Hi, how's it going, everybody? And welcome to the Debutify podcast, the premier e-commerce podcast brought to you by Debutify. I'm your host, Alex Bond, and joining me today is Dmitry Kustov, an entrepreneur and the founder of Regex SEO, which develops marketing campaigns for well-known companies like John Deere and Dignity Memorial. On this episode, Dmitry and I discuss his emphasis on UX and design, how that emphasis increases brand visibility, strategies to increase SEO rankings, and much more. Here's our interview now. Dimitri, welcome to the show. Well, hello, hello. Uh, thank you for having me. It's been a long time that I've been trying to get on your podcast. So finally, I'm here. And I hope that all of our listeners and viewers can get something out of this. Yeah, we're very happy to have you. And you're right. It has been a while and we finally got to it. So let's get in it now. First off, Dimitri, why don't you tell me and our audience a little bit about your company, Regex SEO? All right. uh, Well, we are a holistic marketing company, online marketing company. And we take businesses from wherever they are, whatever level they're on, to that next level, to the new heights. And we try to do it all with data-driven strategies and with the idea to extract the most out of your marketing budget. This way, there's no waste. It's all efficient and actually gets you results. So yeah, that's a one-liner for you. Yeah, yeah. No, that's great. I mean, because the services you provide is a lot. It's a wide variety. So what would you consider among that wide variety, the foundation of your business plan with Regex? Data. So we all start everything with data because every business is different. And in e-commerce, people might think, well, it's e-commerce, it's all the same stuff. Not really. To give you a very quick example, let's say if you are e-commerce business trying to sell, I don't know, uh, cogs for oil and gas machinery, clientele and the audience is very different and the way you would reach them is very different versus if you're trying to sell t-shirts. So if we don't do like predetermined plans and for that exact reasons, because we need to find out where your audience is, who they are, and how to you can reach them in the most efficient way. After we figure that out, we go from there and that's how we get great results. So in terms of foundation, yeah, it all has to start with data. I have a little saying that I always not introduce to our new clients and stuff, but whenever I speak at conferences and, and so on, the data is not meant to be a byproduct of marketing, but in fact, all of the decisions should derive from that data. In a lot of businesses, like, oh yeah, we just got some data. We'll take a look at it later. That's not how it's supposed to work. Where they have it and it kind of sits on the shelves, but they're not exactly using it for the purpose that it's supposed to be used. It's more of a a yardstick if that makes more sense. It's an afterthought, definitely, in a lot of businesses. So one of the other major selling points for Regex is, at least from my research and and on your website, is is your customization process, right? So you are are very proud to be able to customize pretty much the, the marketing plan for each individual client. I'm curious what that process looks like because just to kind of hammer it home, have such a wide variety of services that customizing it sounds like it'd be a complicated process. I'm curious about that. Uh, Do you mind elaborating? Yeah, of course. Well, so because every business again is different and the audience lives on different channels, you have to be investing more into certain channels for your specific business than others. We run a lot of data analysis before we start any marketing to make sure that the every dollar, every marketing dollar is being spent in the most efficient way. So again, with the example of some kind of cogs for oil and gas 
industry, it would not make sense for you to do social media advertising or like TikTok advertising. You know, that's not where your audience lives. That's not where they're going to go to find that type of product. Versus again, if you're some kind of t-shirts and have some cute designs, then yeah, TikTok is for you and social media is for you. And SEO, for example, for t-shirts is probably not the greatest idea. So from that perspective, our customization comes in from there. What are the most efficient channels? What does the data say? Because also at the same time, in 99% of cases, I mean, really it's 100% of cases, budgets are always limited. Even if the budget is a million dollars, it's still limited to a million dollars. So the point is that we need to find the most efficient ways to invest that marketing budget to get the most leads, the most sales for our clients. And that's where the customization of the marketing plan comes in. You can only do so much with so much, you know? I mean, it's definitely limited when it comes to budget. So you've talked about the importance of data, that customization process. How would you separate regex from other seo companies or other marketing agencies because it's a little bit of both and maybe that's the answer in and of itself could you expand on that yeah exactly that that is the answer and the reason i started founded this company was for that exact reason of no plans let's look at each client each business is individual and we need to find the best solutions for them even for businesses in the same industry like we work with a lot of home services companies where they do, you know, like AC repairs and things of that nature. And even within the industry, depending on where you're located, what state you're in, what, what uh, city you're in, what type of service exactly you provide, you still have to adjust the approach. And for example, let's say, I don't know, if a business is in Texas versus a business is in uh, Minnesota, the demand and search volume and Therefore, all of the marketing for heating will be very, very different. You know, in Texas, people don't know what heaters are. Yeah. In, in Minnesota or Northern States, it's it's a, at least half of the year you have to use your heating devices. Again, if we just were to take a plan that is kind of predetermined, just a packaged plan, and then started optimizing for heating for a company in Texas, half of the budget, just what is an SEO, or I mean, really in general, half of the budget would go to nowhere. So that's the main reason because I used to work at the company and with a bunch of companies, SEO companies that have those plans that, uh, you know, you go to their website, they have, I don't know, like $1,000, $2,000, $3,000 budget or plan. There you go. You just, no matter if you're a dentist, lawyer, home service company, whoever you are, just pick the same stuff out of the three things. Did not make sense to me. That's why I decided to found this company and uh, the rest is history. No, that's wonderful. That's amazing. You also put a major emphasis at Regex on UX and design. And I find that extremely interesting. Is that kind of an unconventional focal point for an SEO company? Because I've seen some that kind of talk about its importance, but not ones that seem to put as much of an emphasis as your company does. So, you know, again, my question is, is that considered an unconventional focus point for an SEO company? Maybe not as unconventional. It's not easy. And a lot of SEO companies, low level, not good quality SEO companies, they just bypass it. Uh, Not bypass it. They, They don't care or they can't do it for one reason or the other. But the point is this. Nowadays, especially nowadays, Google as a search engine, especially for SEO, 
they're paying more and more attention to user experience and what's called user metrics. The example would be, let's say you go to Google, you search something, and uh, you know one of the results pops up, you click on it, and clearly it's not uh, what you are looking for. And as a user, you just click back right away, more or less. Or let's say you click on that result and it takes forever to load. It just, you know, keeps spinning and spinning and spinning. You're going to, same thing, you're going to click back. Or maybe if you're using it on a mobile device, it's all screwed up and you can't really read anything because the font is too small or all broken. So all of that is user experience. And for, in kind of in the eyes of Google, in the eyes of search engines, if their goal, search engines goal, is to give searchers the best possible result in the quickest way possible. And if they see that bunch of people click on certain result and then click right back, or they click on a certain result and it takes forever to load, and that's the reason they click back, that ruins the user experience of using Google itself. So nowadays, <clears throat> Google more and more not just supporting, but they are forcing more than encouraging for websites to have good user experience and good user metrics. Now, also from business perspective, let's say you have some kind of great marketing campaign, whatever that is, SEO or not SEO, and you get a million people to go to your website. But again, your website is broken or super difficult to navigate, super difficult to find information, super difficult to find a way to call your business or, you know, uh, schedule an appointment or fill out a form or whatever it is. So you got this million people to your website, but that did not result into any leads, any sales. What's the point? For the business user experience results in higher conversion rates, higher lead rates, higher sales rates. So it's all one piece of a giant puzzle, but without it, you know, it's all like the funnels and all that stuff. It's it's uh, at the end of the funnel, which is the most important part of sales and marketing at the end of the funnel, because sure, again, uh, you get a million people to your website, but nobody buys anything. What's the point? And I don't want to be reductive, but are there any sort of specific ways that brands can use UX and design to increase their visibility and their SEO rankings? I mean, from what I'm hearing you say, that's the point. Are there any like maybe specific examples of stuff that companies might be overlooking? Sure. And again, the, no, no, the UX field is huge. But at the end of the day, there are a couple main things. Obviously, mobile devices are very popular now. Everybody has a phone. So make sure that your website, it doesn't just work on mobile. But typically, especially in e-commerce, you want it to be mobile first. So meaning that it's specifically designed for mobile, not just, you know, take the desktop version of the website and kind of shrink it down and hope for the best. You have to think about what people are looking for, how to present that information in the easiest, quickest way, and so on. Obviously, it needs to load quick enough. Nowadays, quick enough is considered about one second. If it's over three seconds of load time, you're not going to get great results, at least not in terms of SEO. And again, from a user experience perspective, those are kind of like the main things that then break down into a bunch of other things. But yeah, just properly designed, properly structured website that works great on mobile and loads quickly. 
And uh, the rest kind of is going out of that. That's great. No, I think that's really solid advice. And keeping on the the advice train, you have a lot of experience. Some of our audience are newer entrepreneurs who are literally like starting up a, a business. So I'm curious if you had any insight on what's maybe the one thing that brands can do to increase their SEO ranking. I know that there's a million. I know that there's, uh, you know, it's a lot more complicated than that. But just to kind of like try to simplify it and make it as succinct as possible, what would you consider to be like at least the one thing that could really be a difference maker in increasing their SEO ranking? All right. So in terms of SEO rankings, the first and foremost thing is great content. That's kind of it. If we boil it down to the basic idea, if you're not talking about kittens, you can't rank for kittens, right? If you're talking about puppies, you won't be ranking for kittens. So content, that's where it all starts. And the better the content is. Now, the word better is very stretchable and it's not subjective. It's more depends on the situation. And the way, the easiest way I can explain it is Again, think about what your users want, not what you want to tell them, but what they are looking for. What is the, what are the questions they're trying to answer, get answers for? What things matter for them? Don't just take a off the site, off the, off the shelf, some kind of template, website, whatever, and just take it at its how it is and don't think about it. Like if you're, I don't know, let's say you're selling some kind of equipment. What parts of equipment, what what metrics, what specifications are important to the people? And are they important to 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 your customers in the first place? Like um, I don't know, let's say, you know, we talked about t-shirts. If somebody's trying to buy a t-shirt, what is important to them? Well, I would assume quality. Is it itchy? So basically that's ingredient, right? Like what is it 100 percent cotton or is it made out of uh, fire ants? Also, of course, the design. It needs to be clear picture. But like would it matter, I don't know, the uh, circumference of the neck hole? I wouldn't care. Yeah, who would care, right? So putting that stuff up front, who cares? But things that people do care about, it needs to be up front and front and center. And then for SEO content, kind of need to, just for purposes of SEO, you need to talk about other features and whatever else in maybe below the like below what we call the fold, below the first screen. Uh, what that is displayed on the website so that it does not interrupt user flow. You can have the SEO content maybe at the bottom of the page so that search engines get all of their goodness, that they understand that you're selling t-shirts, but then at the same time does not interrupt the user journey. So yeah, great content. FAQs, very good thing nowadays because most people do ask questions. I don't know a website that doesn't have them, if I'm honest. I obviously look at a lot of e-commerce sites, but even when I'm just on the internet, every single website has an FAQ now. And I don't think that was the case maybe five years ago. Yeah. Videos nowadays, very important as well. Sorry to interrupt you, Dimitri, but I've also noticed that testimonials are extremely important. Is that something that has that has changed? Because I feel like when I was looking at a lot of websites, even just like three, four years ago, not everything was as as testimonial based. But now I can't go to a single like B2B or even B2C website without testimonial being on the homepage. Is that something that has changed? Why is that so important? Testimonials are a bit of, of the um, weird area. And here's why. Just a written testimonial, like a text testimonial put on a website, people don't trust it. 
because it can be faked. You can say anybody's name and you can say whatever you want. So that's one problem. Second problem is, of course, as a business owner or as a site owner, you're going to put the best ones. So from a user perspective, everybody understands that, okay, it's curated. They're going to put their best foot forward. So instead, what we found to be better is be very transparent about reviews overall on different platforms. So let's say you have, I know, 100 reviews, 4.8 stars or whatever from Google, like a Google My Business listing. Okay, say we have, you know, 4.8 stars, 100 reviews, and here's a link to the where you can read all of them, the good and the bad. And then maybe you have also reviews on you know, Facebook and then you have reviews on another platform um, and so on and so on. So this way, you are front and center. It's like, hey, we have total of you know thousand reviews. This is the average rating. And you can read them all here, here, and here. The good, the bad, and the ugly. This way, people understand that you're not hiding anything. Otherwise, like, well, yeah, of course, they're going to put the best review front and center. Like, why would they not? Uh, that's kind of how you hack it, but that's my advice, basically. No, I think that transparency piece is extremely valuable because, again, if I'm honest, I do a lot of research and I go to a lot of these websites, and that's probably the one thing that I just skip over. I will parse and I'll get deep, and I, I like reading the FAQs and going through all almost every page I can get my hands on. But the testimonials is the one thing that I don't really care about because I know what's there. It's going to say, this company is really good. So I think something like transparency could be extremely valuable where it's a little more objective at least. And then, you know, some are written blurbs and then others are like user-generated videos. That part is yes. So video testimonials, actual video, proper video testimonials, they are still really good because you can't fake it. It's a video from a customer or with a customer and they're talking about the product or whatever, where it's clear it's not a paid review because nowadays, you know, you can go to YouTube or TikTok influencer and just pay them and they will say nice things. But again, people are not stupid. People understand. So if it's real, absolutely put those front and center. I don't have a problem with that. The more you have, the better. Because again, it's very clear. It's not faked. Yeah. And it's a little muddy if I'm being sold to or not. You know, if I, if I see someone wrote this blurb, they took the time out. It feels like very, you know, selly. And if I watch a video of someone kind of saying this company did so-and-so for me and I, I highly recommend them, I can tell when I'm being sold to or not. And so I definitely feel like it's more authentic and that I just like, I buy that this person or this company provided a service to this user and they really appreciated it. So that makes me maybe want to use them. And and I think that they can definitely be a little more valuable nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. And then it's not really a testimonial, but the pictures of people either wearing or using the product in real life. It's kind of a bit of a testimonial as well, saying that, hey, I actually use it and here's how it looks. So it 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 it, it hits multiple birds with one stone where the potential buyer can see that other people's actually using it. And uh, maybe if it's something like a, like again, t-shirt, then how it can look on man versus how it looks on woman kid and so on so they can kind of understand how it actually looks no that's great and and you know speaking of multiple birds with one stone your company does that with all of these services that you provide it's really really a, a impressively wide variety my question to you dimitri is how are you able to ensure that 
all of these services are of such a high quality when you offer so many different marketing solutions. I mean, it's kind of, I was just talking with a, a gentleman yesterday about the philosophy that I don't necessarily agree with about jack of all trades, master of none type of thing. So how do you ensure that you are a master of all of them? So our audience is, we don't work with anybody. Uh, we do have kind of a, a bit of a niche. We do mostly work with home services companies. Um, we do work with other companies as well, actually e-commerce as well. So that's that's kind of one way to understand the industry you're working in the best you can. If you understand how business works, if you understand how the industry works, then you can find solutions that are useful, that are just from experience, you're going to know that, that they're going to work or not going to work and so on. So that's one thing. Second is, I mean, our team is just awesome with a lot of experience. And we because we base everything on data, we're not going to sell something that we are not sure in. Uh, we're not going to do something that we know doesn't work or or most likely is not going to work. We it's there's like it's a it's a cycle where we basically research, hypothesize, prove the hypothesis, then we implement, then we uh, look at the data again after implementation, and then optimize, and then the circle cycle starts over again. So it's not about what we want to do necessarily it's not about what we think definitely it's what about data tells us so the quality of service comes from what data tells us and what that means is if we see that like for example we don't do social media like posts we, we don't do social media content production because we've done it before and the data showed us like we're just not good at it so why offer a mediocre service where we know that there are a bunch of companies out there that can provide a great service in terms of content media, uh, social media content production. And then we, we do what we are really good at, which is, you know, SEO and PPC and whatever other things that are actually data driven. So yeah, like from that perspective, we offer what we know. We have data proven record that we are good at. So that's kind of how we choose and become the the, the uh, master in one thing because it's not that we take anybody who comes to us with any industry, with any product and do whatever they the, the client, potential client thinks they need. It's let's go where the data tells us to go. And if in certain cases, if, if it doesn't make sense, if we can't help, if the data says we can't help for one way or the other, when we, we're going to tell you that and we're not going to work with you because we don't want to offer something that you're not going to be happy with. Very recently, actually, a couple of weeks ago, I had a conversation with a potential client and they were trying to achieve 36% reduction in cost per lead. We ran the numbers, we looked at the data. It's like, look, it looks like we can get you like 27. It doesn't look like we can get you 36. There you go. Would you like that 27% decrease? And if it's not enough for you, then sorry, we are not going to sell something I can't be certain I can deliver. You want to mitigate expectations. You want you don't want to overpromise and underdeliver. You want to do the opposite, you know? So exactly. There you go. I think I I hope I answered your question. No, totally. And I kind of like to take it a, a little step further and ask I know that it's data driven. I know that your the foundation is data. So that might inform your answer to this question. But 
I don't know. I don't want to be unfair and say take that out of the equation. But what's what's kind of like a, a general baseline of of services and solutions that you recommend to a newer e-commerce brand, someone who's kind of just trying to get their foot in the door, and maybe they don't have a lot of data, as an example. I mean, obviously, there's there's data on what your target audience is and and your budget and 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 all that sort of stuff. But you know, you guys have email marketing, some social media, UX. There's there's so much that what would you recommend to maybe like a newer client? It does start with some kind of research. So if you don't have your own first party data yet, part of any business plan, you should do research, market research, industry research, whatever other research. So even if you don't have your own data yet, you should have data from other sources. That's one thing. Second, common sense. Uh, a lot of things are common sense at the end of the day. Again, like uh, cogs, some kind of parts for oil and gas machinery. Yeah, TikTok is not for you. That's that's kind of more or less clear. And then after that, just experimentation. And I would not go anywhere without data because if you don't have it, let's find it. Like we do, we do have a data research as a service. If you don't know where to go and how to do it, We'll look it up for you. We'll 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 show you all of the stuff that we can find and make decisions based on that. Because you know, I could say it's like, okay, we'll do SEO first. But if I'm wrong, because if it's just my opinion, then maybe you know, you go ahead and hire an agency or in-house person, SEO person, and start paying them, spending money. And if it's not going to result in anything good, then what's the point? Why are we doing all this? So. Yeah, there's a bunch of tools out there that will help you understand how many people are searching on Google, how many people are using uh, ads, you know, like Google ads or Bing ads or Google local services ads, how many people are the recall percentage and stuff on social media and so on and so on and so on. So the idea always is where do your customers live online? And then if you know where they are, you can build out a marketing strategy fairly easily with, and then after that, yeah, experimentations. Like, okay, we know that these three channels could work or data shows that they would work. Let's invest a little bit here, a little bit here, and a little bit there. See how it performs, compare them to each other. After that, let's pound on the best performing one. And then after that one is at maybe 80% efficiency, let's start implementing and investing into other channels or in, in the second most efficient channel, so on and so on and so on. So yeah, I would not go anywhere without data. I'm not going to be able to deliver any good results. It's just shooting in the dark. And with that data, right, I'm curious if you see certain channels that are trending upward in popularity. You know, I talk to a lot of people who will say number one with a bullet is email marketing. You know, I talked to other people who say earlier, you said it, it might be content. I'm, I'm curious from your experience, looking at trends, which is only possible with data, what is kind of trending upward in, in popularity and efficacy? Yeah. Content marketing is definitely one of the biggest things nowadays. Um, we all are on YouTubes and TikToks and so on. So uh, at the end of the day, no matter what service or product you provide, you should have content marketing strategy. Kind of, it just depends on how much you're going to be pushing it. Uh, if it's your sole and main channel versus if it's supportive channel. But at the end of the day, in e-commerce, for most businesses, content marketing is going to be the one of the primary channels. I would say, even if it's simple, not not like unboxing, but presentations of your product. Like, hey, here's the product that we have. 
here's what it does, here's its specifications, here it's what it's made of, whatever else. This way, you can use it like just even in a video on a product page so that people have more certainty before buying that they're buying the right thing. Obviously, for small, simple things like I know a pen or whatever, simple, cheap pen, nobody cares. But if it's something that you're going to pay a couple of hundred bucks for or even more, some kind of equipment especially, you do want as much understanding about it as, as you can possibly get as a customer. So the more expensive the product, the more information I have to give to the client and the, uh, to the customer. And the easiest way nowadays is video because, you know, picture worth a thousand words and video ha- therefore has to be worth a million times. Worth 24,000 a, a second. Yeah, yeah. There you go, 24 frames. And it's for them worth a, worth a thousand words. So yeah, content marketing, I would say definitely. And then email marketing, yes, is quite important in e-commerce business just for the simple reason of abandoned carts and products left in the cart. And also, if it's e-commerce, you're selling products, therefore at some point you're going to be running some kind of promotions, offers. And also if you do content marketing, you can, that's email marketing becomes another channel to promote or to announce the content marketing. So like, hey, we just released this video and it's about this. Go watch it. And I think it's engaging. I I think you're touching on something extremely valuable and it it, it makes the audience feel that's the closest to a relationship with a brand or a business is how they present themselves and, and their content. You know, I can only get so much when I'm looking at a screen or reading words or looking at pictures or, 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 or the design and the borders and the colors. But when I feel like I'm being talked to from another person, that's the closest to a relationship that I feel like I have with brand. Yeah, for sure. Now, one of the things that I want to say is, especially in terms of content and emails, really, make sure that the, I hate to use the word quality because it can be misinterpreted. When I say the quality is high, this is what I mean. Make sure that, again, you're giving content, you're providing content, you're providing things that people actually need, not what you think they want. And that's one of the biggest things. A lot of people use email, a lot of businesses use email marketing where email marketing is kind of a, not an afterthought, but it's like, hey, we need, we need to send two emails a week. Why? Do your users, do your customers want that two, two, two times a week? What are you going to put there? And it becomes this chase after nothing. It's like, okay, we have to send two emails a week. Okay, well, we got to put something in that email. Okay, therefore, we got to produce two blog posts or whatever, two videos a week. Well, okay, well, now we have to be producing two blog posts or content or whatever videos a week. And then what are we going to be talking about? All right, just let's talk about whatever. And it just becomes this chase for no reason. So the idea is whatever channel it is, email marketing, SEO, video marketing, whatever it is, make sure that that you are addressing, basically you're creating such a great high quality content in terms of what actually users want that people, they are looking forward to it basically. People, their customers are like, here's a very, very simple example in terms, specifically in terms of email marketing. You can send out daily deals. I have, we have a da- daily deal today and it's $2 off on this, you know, thousand dollar product. Nobody's going to care about that versus if you build it very nicely, maybe send it like once a month, once a quarter, whatever it is, have really great discounts, right? Really great promotions, segment your, your email list properly. 
this way, whenever a customer receives that email, they understand like, oh, this is awesome. And I'm going to be missing out if I don't read this type of email. And from there, even if later down the road, uh, maybe they're not ready to buy now, but they will be ready to buy later. They're going to remember that this company, they sell this type of product and they are going to be, they're sending out their emails on, let's say, monthly basis. So even if they're not going to read it and open the email right now, they still remember that somewhere in, in their email inbox, there is a discount or offer or whatever else, the most recent one that has high value. It's the value, there you go, not the quality. Uh, it's the value, high value for the, for the customer. Whenever they actually need the product, in the back of their head, they'll remember, like, okay, because that company always, their emails are high value, just didn't need it at the moment. Now I do. Let me go back and find them in my email inbox. Or maybe even if it's spam, it went into spam folder, they're going to look in spam folder. And if they can't find it there, they're going to reach out to customer support. Like I have done it multiple times myself. Like uh, I follow certain brands. I love their products. And then when I don't need it right now, but a couple months down the road, it's like, okay, actually I need it now. I'm going to go out of my way and reach out to the company if I can't find it, some kind of email or offer or whatever. Uh, I'm going to reach out to the company, talk to their chat, to their support, maybe call them, whatever else on social media. But I'm actually going to go out of my way for them to sell it to me. Like that's, that's like the crazy part. As a customer, I go out of my way for them to sell me their product because I want it now. They prove that they have high value. That's the whole point of it. Versus if they've been sending me stupid little emails, annoying emails every day, or video content on YouTube daily that is just complete garbage. That diminishes the value of the brand. That diminishes the value of your product. And instead of, of me going out of the way to ask them for the product, to reach out to them for sale, to sell me the product, I would go out of the way and block them on my social media, unsubscribe, and you know, put them in spam folders and whatever else. So two different ways that are determined by the quality or rather, again, the value of what you provide to your customers as a, as a business. No, that's great stuff, Dimitri. Before we come to a close, I always ask my guests the same last question. E-commerce industry is extremely stressful and a high-pressure industry and community. And I find it's valuable to have a healthy work-life harmony and good mental health hygiene to ensure success. My question to you, Dimitri, is, is what are some, some of your hobbies and interests outside of e-commerce that help you ensure a healthy work-life harmony? Oh boy, there are so many things that uh, I can talk about. Oh, that's that good. Probably, that probably deserves its own uh, episode. So first, I hate the word work-life balance because it separates the two. How can you separate the work from your life if you spend, as a business owner, way more than 40 hours a week? So by saying, hey, it's work-life balance, it kind of saying, okay, I have my life and then I have my work, which kind of so sounds like I hate. My first uh, advice to everybody, every entrepreneur or somebody who is inspiring to be an entrepreneur or business owner, find something that you actually truly love doing as whatever that saying is, you know, if you love your work, you never work a day in life or something like that. So yeah, and I can talk about that for hours straight. Now, as for my hobbies and stuff, I have a few. I uh, do amateur car racing. I play um, table tennis on uh, like amateur high level. I play poker semi-professionally. But at the moment, it's just all about time. I had a kid born 
recently, like he's four months. Congratulations. Yeah, as of yesterday. So a lot of time goes toward the kiddo. And uh, because of the kiddo, most of the free time goes towards sleep. So uh, yeah, right now my hobby is sleep. <laughs> and then the rest of the time is business, running business. Of course, you know, a company of almost 40 people is not easy to run. No, it's definitely not like uh, self-automating, you know? The bigger it gets, the less it self-automates, I feel like. No, that's that's really awesome. I, I love table tennis, love poker. Maybe I should get into amateur racing as well. Those are definitely up my alley. I feel like we've got similar sensibilities to me, True. But it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much for coming on the show and good luck with the rest of the year and with Regex in general. Well, thank you so much. And uh, hopefully we'll jump on another episode at some point and talk about, I don't know, work-life balance and uh, all of the philosophical things and implications. Thank you for having me. I love that. You set the time and date, man, and I'll be there. <laughs> all right, sounds good. Thanks, Dimitri. All right, thank you. I'd like to thank my guest, Dimitri Kustov, for joining me on the show and come back on Thursday when I talk with Joe Spizak, the founder and CEO of Fulfill.com, a marketplace that connects e-commerce brands with the right warehousing and fulfillment partners. For more information about Dimitri, you can connect with him on LinkedIn. To learn more about Regex SEO, visit their website, regexseo.com, or follow them on Facebook and Instagram at regexseo. That's our show. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you come back to find new episodes being published every Tuesday and Thursday. Until then.